Hallo och välkommen till en ny episode av Pelkvarteret, en podcast med mig Lars Sivertsen i samarbete med Betsson. Det är er en jättespännande helg för dig. Bundesligan är er tillbaka och på grund av det så har jag med mig en gäst och på grund av gästen så blir resten av episoden på engelska igen. Beklagar för att jag inte trivs där. But the rest of the episode will be in English because I have a guest uh, to, to talk us through some of this stuff. I have the the very excellent commentator and and, and pundit, a very enthusiastic and excited insightful man who knows what's what in the Bundesliga. It's Mr. Kevin Hatchard. I'm delighted to be here, Lars. This is very exciting <laughs> stuff. It's Bundesliga wow. Eve. I mean, I mean, for you, this must be a huge day. And for my, my Norwegian listeners, I'm, I'm sure they'll have heard your voice because you do quite a few of the, the international commentaries for the Bundesliga, don't you? Yeah, that's right. I'm lucky enough to be part of the uh, the TV world feed. So uh, I've been uh, uh, spotted, if you like, in places as far flung as uh, Cambodia and uh, and indeed Norway. And uh, I usually yeah. get I usually get a text from somebody who's on holiday saying, "I've just seen you appear in the bar," uh, but uh, you know, not <laughs> not perhaps in the fun way that I would usually like to appear in a bar. But um, but yeah, so it, so that's very cool. So I'm lucky to uh, I'm lucky to be across a few things with Bundesliga and it's kind of weird because the usual excitement is there and I've been prepping for games and I've missed that and I think once the commentaries actually start that's when the excitement uh, will kick in even more but obviously there is this backdrop of uh, of so much tragedy as well so I think it's very much and the DFL who run German football uh, at the top levels have been very conscious of this as well that we're all excited about it coming back. It's great that football uh, has restarted, but I think there is that awareness and that kind of humility, if you like, uh, about actually coming back. Okay. Well, I mean, you, you joke about, uh, you know, not the best way of being in a bar. I think it's one of the cheapest ways of making an impression in a Norwegian bar. I'll say that much. It's probably turning up on the world feed. The only way you can really make an impact in a Norwegian bar without selling a kidney or something. So, you know, I you should probably that take from that. when I was in Bergen. I remember that very yeah. clearly. Yes. <laughs> Lovely city, though, Bergen. Lovely it is. city. It is. It was delightful, now, but expensive. What I really, what I really want you to <laughs> help me with here today is a lot of uh, my listeners, I mean, I mean, we're football-savvy people in Norway. We might watch some Bundesliga already. I'm sure we've seen some Dortmund, not just because of Erling Haaland, because they're a great team, but uh, people listening to this podcast will have seen some German football, but maybe not that much. And seeing as there'll be a, a while now where it's the, the best the best show in town, though you might argue it is anyway, at the, normally, but if, my point being is that this, these, a lot of these teams are new to a lot of my listeners, so I was hoping we could basically just go through the league table here. Uh, and I and I will ask you about each team, and you can very briefly, because uh, we try to keep these pods brief, tell me uh, why should you support this team, and also why should you not support this team? And actually, if there's not much to say about this team, feel free to say that. You know, and, and no, no obligations to, I mean, however much time you want to spend on Augsburg is up to you, but it might not be that much. But uh, we're going to start, I think, right at the bottom, at number 18th with Paderborn. What is good about them? Why would you want to jump on the Paderborn bandwagon right now? And what is not so good? I guess the fact that it might be a very short bandwagon. Uh, yes, uh, but you'd have to have a heart of stone not to really feel for Paderborn because what's great about them is that a lot of their players have spent most of their careers not just outside the Bundesliga but outside the top two or three divisions. So you've got loads of good stories. I mean, what, their captain, uh, Klaus Jazula, 
who is a walking yellow card, by the way. Uh, he uh, he was a courier uh, until he was 20. He was delivering parcels. Uh, so he wow. was very much a late bloomer in terms of football. Uh, Kai Perger, who's looked really, really uh, good uh, in wide areas for them. Uh, he's had uh, Frank Ribery as the uh, picture on his phone as the background uh, for a few years. <laughs> so it was <laughs> thrilling for him to take on Bayern. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're kind of like a Norwich City, if you like, in the sense that they're quite pragmatic off the field. They don't spend a huge amount, but they're quite stylish on it. And they've both got uh, popular coaches, Daniel Farker uh, and Stefan Baumgart, who will play their way regardless of how the results are going. So uh, I've got a little bit of a soft spot for Paderborn, I have to say. Yeah, I've seen a couple of their games this season. They seem to be very attack-minded in spite of not being that good, which I think is endearing. I like that. Teams who come up and go, you know what, let's just have a go and we'll see. I mean, so likable, but I guess maybe not. Uh, you're hitching your wagon to, to, to something that might not be around in the Bundesliga for very long. Moving on, I think this is an interesting one. In 17th, Werder Bremen. I think if you're going to pick a Bundesliga team right now, Werder Bremen, there's a bit of history there, but they're obviously in a terrible shape. So there's no, no one can accuse you of jumping any kind of bandwagon there. No, they have been a mess this season. They were uh, expected, uh, well, they said themselves that they wanted to push for Europe this season, uh, mm. but they're desperately trying to survive. They've had loads of injury problems. Uh, it's one of those things, Lars, and you see this in loads of different leagues. You'll have a good set of players that just totally loses confidence all at the same time. Ah. They made a really bad start, never got going. And I, I think if they were to go down, that would be a massive blow for them. And it, it's quite funny for them in a way, because they've seen Hamburg go down and they would have had great fun at seeing Hamburg finally tumble out the Bundesliga and stop that blessed clock that they had uh, that was uh, yeah. showing people just how long they'd been in the Bundesliga. Uh, but it looks as though Werder might be uh, cascading down the divisions after them. So yes, upside, Bremen, nice city for a city break, I'd say. You could have a lot of fun in Bremen, a good northern yeah. derby with Hamburg happening there. Downside might very well go down, so that's also a bad one. Fortuna Dusseldorf, a team that doesn't, no, doesn't mean a lot to me, really. What's good about them? What's not good about them, Kevin? So what's good about them is there's never a dull moment, usually. So recently, they were 3-0 up at a game against Hertha Berlin and contrived to chuck that lead away in a 3-3 draw. So some of their games... Ah, I saw that uh, one, yeah. Yeah, it can be quite chaotic. And there's usually something going on off the field as well. It's one of those clubs where uh, there's usually some kind of political moves going on, some kind of mm. intrigue. Uh, but they don't have much in the way... Uh, of a uh, of a Bundesliga history, certainly recently they don't. Uh, but uh, Lutz Fannenstiel, who's their sporting director, although not for very long, actually, he'll be leaving at the end of the season. Uh, he's always good for a quote or two. He's a fascinating guy to listen to. So, so yeah, there, there's plenty to like about Fortuna, but it's going to be a bit of a scrap for them to stay up. Yeah, Uwe Russler in charge as well. He has a big history in Norway, as you might be aware. He coached here for a long time. Uh, but um, moving on, Mainz. Am I right? I mean, my impression of Mainz is one of those. It's a, a place where they're really passionate about their team. It's not a not a massive place, and the team seems to mean a lot to the town. Uh, you know, there's the Jurgen Klopp backstory there as well. Uh, sort of a likable but slightly inoffensive and not that exciting team. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that is fair. And I think if you look at them, so they had a guy called Christian Heidel, who was their sporting director forever, really. And he was the guy that actually came up with the idea of giving one of the players, Jurgen Klopp, the coaching reins because ah. uh, he... 
he looked at all of the the available coaches and thought, I'm, I'm not keen on any of them. Let's just do it ourselves. So he rang up Klopp and said, do you fancy it? And Klopp took about four seconds to say yes. And, and the rest is history. So, but he's moved on. Uh, and so he's not there anymore. So there's a guy called Ruven Schroeder there instead. Zandro Schwartz, who had been the coach at the start of this season, not only was a player there and a youth coach there, but he was actually a fan when he was a boy on the terraces of the old Brookvegstadion. So that link has always been there, but now he's gone. So I think there has been a bit of a feeling recently that they've moved away from those traditions. And also they're kind of copying a kind of Southampton slash Monaco. And you don't put Southampton oh. and Monaco together very often, but uh, they're following no. that kind of model of finding young talent, developing it and selling it on. And that's fine. But I think the issue with that is that you get a load of people who think, right, where's my next move? And they're kind of thinking about the next switch elsewhere instead of focusing on the task at hand. Yeah, maybe not the most eye-catching team in the league. Speaking of which, in 14th, Augsburg. I mean, I have to say, it's just one of those clubs that just a bit of a dial tone for me. It doesn't, I don't, I don't associate anything with Augsburg. Am I being very unfair? No, not really. They're, they're like a Bournemouth, if you like. They're, they've never oh, won yeah. anything. They kind of scrap away. Uh, but a couple of things to note. Uh, before It won't be happening now, but in, in, in the times before this crisis, uh, what they would do at every home game is they would give uh, a unique marionette to the visiting captain that was made in the local Augsburger Puppenkister, which is the puppet theatre. Now, puppetry ah. is a big puppetry is a big deal in Augsburg and so uh, yes you would get this one-off marionette given to the visiting captain Um, and the only other thing which is marking Augsburg out at the moment is their hapless coach Heiko Herrlich who hasn't even taken he hasn't even taken charge of a game yet and he won't be taking charge the first weekend because he decided to nip out of the hotel where his team's in quarantine to get some face cream and some toothpaste. And so he now is not going to be allowed into the stadium this weekend. Yeah, puppets or not, that is remarkably stupid. And I think no one should support them for any reason in the foreseeable future. But moving on to 13th, this is an interesting one, I think, for Norwegians who are looking for a team to follow. Uh, because we get to Hertha Berlin. If you if you like a quick sort of weekender in Berlin, who doesn't? And you don't want to jump on the hipster bandwagon and, and go all Union. You know, there is the, the sort of complete madhouse at the moment that is Hertha. Never a dull moment, except maybe when they, they play. There have been some dull moments when they've been playing football. But outside of the football, very exciting. I love Hertha at the moment, Lars, because they're kind of the football equivalent of a midlife crisis. Because <laughs> they they have this idea that they want to be this big city club. And they've got a guy called Lars Vintors who's pumped loads of money into the club. They started with a guy called Ante Chovic, who's they have this idea at Hertha that they like Hertana, guys who really understand the club, guys who've played for them, have, have coached them, like Paul Dardai from last season. Chovic got the job. Uh, he didn't do very well. He got binned. Jurgen Klinsmann came in, acted like a diva, made a lot of demands. They were all rejected, flounced out. He went. Uh, Alex Nouri, bless him, his assistant, you know, did a, an okay job. And he's a good guy, Alex. I know him uh, from having worked with him on the Bundesliga World Feed. He's a good guy but he wasn't retained. And now we've got Bruno Labbadia sweeping in this kind of suave rescue act, and he's going to drag them clear, I think, of trouble. So, uh, yes, if you like intrigue, uh, both on and off the field, Hertz is the place to go. 
And just very briefly, having had an utterly chaotic season, they think, what can we do now in these difficult corona times to just really stabilize the ship? We put Jens Lehmann on the board. That is weird. What a magic. Um, Yes, he is. uh, He's another guy that I've I've worked with. And uh, he, he straight away kind of made some quite... Uh, some quite interesting comments about uh, you know um, the, the risk being acceptable and, and all of this, uh, and I think he's one of those guys that it might stay quiet for a while, but not for long. There's going to be some kind of disagreement somewhere along the line, I suspect. Yeah, indeed. Moving on, and number twelve, Eintracht Frankfurt. I think caught the eye a little bit last uh, season with the Jovic Allaire double act up front, and you know some European heroics and this sort of thing. Um, but again, for the neutral, maybe not the most exciting club in the world. And with apologies to Jan Ogfjordtoft. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Jan might take issue with you on that. Yeah, um, he might. They, might that's fair enough. They're fun in terms of their fans. I mean, their fans have been all over Europe the last couple of years, and mm. they've really enjoyed themselves. And you know, when they're in town, put it that way. I was in Baku for the Europa League final. They didn't even make the final, and there were hundreds of them because they gambled <laughs> on reaching the final. So uh, they actually uh, provided no, the atmosphere. That. Yeah, so that was great fun. Um, on the field, they're not always that much fun. They were when Alair and Jovic and Rebic were together. It's been a bit more functional this time around. Uh, they can be very basic in the way they approach things. Um, and without the fans, they might actually be a bit of a tough watch, I think, between now and the end of the season. All right. And in 11th, I guess, hipster favourites, Union Berlin. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people who are football savvy, who read the right magazines and follow the right people on Twitter, uh, will now, if they're becoming temporary Bundesliga fans, will be drawn to Union Berlin. Will they not, Kevin? They will. Uh, first season in the Bundesliga, um, very much see themselves as outside the mainstream. I mean, this is a club that saw their fans actually physically rebuild the stadium at one stage uh, when they had no money and needed to rebuild it uh, for licensing purposes. They've actually had a, a drive called Bleed for Union where uh, fans gave blood. Uh, to raise cash as well. So uh, they've had, I, I kind of think of them as a as a Brighton type, if you like, not quite oh. in the mainstream, but they've needed their fans uh, to get them out of financial trouble and help them through things at times and, and be pretty patient. On the field, there, there's a bit of a dirty dozen vibe about them. They kind of brought in <laughs> veterans yeah. like Nevin Subotic and Christian Gentner, who's 34. He's won a couple of titles with different clubs, but he's had a whale of a time thundering around and nailing people in midfield so he's really enjoyed that so they're fun Union I think it's going to be intriguing to see how they get on without their fans because it's so important to them that backing that they get uh, at the first try so uh, so yeah they're a fun club to, to keep an eye on I'm a bit worried sporting wise about them and Augsburg going forward the sort of teams who don't have a lot of possession who sort of get their points by 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 blood and thunder and boshing into people I think that's going to be harder to do without people in the stands to be honest but we will see um uh, next up if in 10th is Köln I guess uh, Cologne FC Köln n- n- not the worst team for a neutral to sort of uh, to sort of jump onto if they if they're looking for a politically sort of you know acceptable bandwagon to get on there 
Love Curl. Lo- love the city. Uh, they are the mm-hmm. most ridiculously excitable fans. If they Excellent. win a half, let alone a game, they are chanting Europa Pokal and saying they're going to qualify for the Europa <laughs> League. Um, yeah. And it's great because there, there's so much passion there. Uh, football's such an important part of that city. And uh, I think... They've had a, a typically Köln season because they were absolute trash in the first part of the campaign. They had quite a good squad. Like they were champions last season of Bundesliga 2, but they were all over the shop in the first few weeks. Marcus Gisdol came in, who's had a you know, modest career as a coach, and uh, lots of people like myself rubbed our chins and went, oh no, Gisdol's going to be a disaster. That's never going to work. And lo and behold, uh, they were absolutely <laughs> superb. So it shows what I know. So uh, yeah. Yes, uh, Köln, uh, not only a good club to support now, uh, but hopefully when uh, when this crisis abates, and we hope that it will, uh, and you're able to uh, eventually go and watch some games, uh, Köln will be a great place to start. And I do think with picking a sort of a, a team to sort of half-heartedly follow from a European league, uh, the city break potentialists should be a big factor. And obviously, yes. uh, Köln, tremendously big players there, I'd have to say. But, but by a quirk of the league table, we move from one end of the spectrum to the other here, I think, from a, slight, from a place where, from a great city to visit, where football is a huge thing and sort of slightly passionately dysfunctional club, to Hoffenheim uh, from Sinsheim, where there is really nothing thing uh, but they are a very they are a very competent club aren't they uh, but maybe not that lovable is that fair yeah that is fair and the, the biggest controversy before uh, this crisis began was uh, the role of ultras in criticizing their owner Dietmar Hopp who's a very divisive mm. figure in the sense that he effectively bankrolled his local village club really and, and got them from the depths of German football all the way to the Champions League and some people think that's a laudable thing and a lot of people don't and so therefore Hoffenheim is seen by many German football purists if you like as a kind of plastic club club uh, without any kind of tradition on the pitch this season really weird Lars because you just don't know what you're going to get from one game to the next I mean I've covered quite a lot of their games this season and they've played 25 of them and I still don't really know what they are what they do <laughs> so they've beaten Bayern this season that was weird they beat Dortmund that was strange as well and then they managed to lose 5-1 at home to Mainz and Mainz had 10 men for the second half so you never quite know what you're going to get. They're kind of like a, a box that you get with a with a plastic toy in it. What am I going to get this week? Well, yeah, and just as an aside, uh, right next to their stadium uh, in, in Sinsheim, I mean, if, if, if there's one thing you must know about me, Kevin, I absolutely love a sauna and a sort of thermal bath and all this sort of stuff. Makes you feel great. It's amazing. And, and, and right next to their stadium, there's a massive sort of, sort of grown-up water world type thing where there's an amazing sauna complex and everything. I haven't been. I've just looked it up because I was planning a trip that isn't that didn't happen because of corona. So if you want to, I mean, you don't really visit Sinsheim uh, uh, voluntarily, I guess. But if you do go to a Hoffenheim game early in the day and then you go straight into the there's a swim up bar there, apparently, and an amazing sauna complex, you can have a pretty good day out in Sinsheim, I guess. And then you've really run out of stuff to do there, I guess. So move on. Anyway, moving on from here. This this is one. And and eighth Freiburg, uh, another very likable team, I think. Yes, absolutely. And they are very much a, a kind of punch above your weight type. I mean, Christian Strike, their coach 
is a unique figure. Uh, he's happy to talk about all kinds of social issues in his press conferences. I mean, it's a wonder that his press conferences aren't about four hours long because he'll talk about absolutely everything. I mean, it takes two hours to understand his accent because his accent's so broad. Um, so he is a, a really likable guy because he's got a big connection with the club. He's got a big connection with the area. He was a youth coach who didn't really want the job initially, and they eventually persuaded him to take the job. And when they have been relegated, nobody even questioned his uh, continued service for a second. You know, you see a lot of teams that do go down. First thing they do is get rid of the coach. It was never going to happen with him. He's very, very good at promoting young talent. They're going to move uh, from the Schwarzwaldstadion, which is a really big um, uh, help to them usually, that stadium, because it's tight. The weather is awful sometimes, um, especially <laughs> night games. They do really well in night games. I was talking to Paul Lambert recently, and he was uh, he was at Borussia Dortmund, so he played in the Bundesliga. And he said they played a night game in Freiburg, and it was a nightmare. It was freezing. Mm. He said the fans were on top of you. He said it was just a really difficult place to play. And I think that's been a, a huge bonus to them down the years. So when they do eventually move into the new stadium, it'll be fascinating to see how they get on. But yeah, it's one of those clubs that unless you're a Hoffenheim or a Stuttgart fan, you know, it's impossible to hate Freiburg. And then eighth this season is very impressive for a team that has a, a pretty small budget, really. They just you know, find ways of doing it. I mean, we've we've had some clubs we really like. I mean, again, I've stuck. this might be harsh, but Wolfsburg, strangely unlovable <laughs> team, aren't they? And they are, I mean, they're not that good either. Just sometimes they are. Help me figure out Wolfsburg here very quickly, Kev. If you love a car, you'll love Wolfsburg because I went there for a relegation playoff and uh, thought, oh, what shall I do? I'll have a wander around. I've got a bit of time. And unless you like shops or cars, it's out, really. Um, uh. so it, it's a strange it's a strange club because it was the Works Club. It was the Volkswagen mm. Works Club, and that's how it came out. Uh, they've only really been uh, making an impact at Bundesliga level in the last you know, 11, 12 years or so. They won the league in 2009 with Edin Dzeko and Grafiche playing ever so well Grafiche, up front. Yeah. I mean, you know, they've had a couple of thrilling teams down the years, but they are they are dull generally in terms of the history and in terms of, I think as well, a lot of people feel with Wolfsburg, they pay quite well. And I think they feel if you go to Wolfsburg, you're not going there for the, the passion, you're going there for the cash. That may be a little unfair, but I think that's how it's perceived by German football yeah. fans in general. Surprisingly, one of the clubs Nicholas Bentner has been through. I mean, having heard that description, that's very hard to hard to <laughs> fathom. I did. I saw. I saw Grafiche play a a domestic a, a league game in no, actually an Asian Champions League game in Qatar a number of years back. And I think he put in one of the single worst individual performances <laughs> I've ever seen from a professional footballer. It's fair to say his heart was not in it. Yes. Um. In in sixth here. This is I. This I think this is a good bandwagon to jump. I think if I was coming in and I was I'm gonna I'm gonna pick a team to to follow in the Bundesliga, I would be immediately drawn to Schalke no fear. Uh, well, if you are drawn to them, uh, it may be a slow, creaky bandwagon, judging by their oh, performances yes. uh, going into the uh, enforced suspension. They put. I mean, they're a funny club because they're massive. I mean, think think of Newcastle. So a really big club that has really passionate support, uh, very kind of working-class industrial area, and you think, great, there's great tradition there, there's a lot to love. Man alive, they serve up some boring football, though. 
So <laughs> last season, I mean, even when they finished second a couple of seasons ago in Domenico Tedesco, it was really, really difficult to watch at times. And David Wagner, the, the old Huddersfield boss, came in at the start of the season. We're going to play really exciting football. We're going to combine. It's going to be great. Fireworks everywhere. It's going to be lovely. They did that for a bit. And then they just seemed to panic and go back to route one. And it was pretty grim to see. But in terms of when there are fans at games, I mean, I've been to Rafia Derby's at Gelsenkirchen at the Veltins Arena. What an atmosphere. Uh, I was lucky enough to commentate on a free kick from Naldo from about 300 uh, yeah. miles away. And oh, yeah. there was there was a moment just before it when the ball was in flight where you could hear a pin drop and then just this visceral kind of explosion of noise. Unbelievable. So uh, there's a lot to like about Schalke, but sometimes you might have to avert your gaze from the pitch. Yeah, I suppose maybe bandwagon was the wrong word. And I think I've accidentally sort of offered you a glimpse into my psyche here, Kev. Uh, the idea of a huge sort of club with a massive support and traditions who just never quite get it right and always frustrate their fans. For some reason, that's something I'm drawn to. I don't know what that means, what that tells anyone about me. Let's not dwell on it. Because in fifth, instead, by a Leverkusen. Um, fun on the pitch, not so much off the pitch. I guess, is that fair? Yeah, I think, again, you put a lot of German fans, again, maybe a little unfairly, but put them in the same bracket as Wolfsburg and Hoffenheim because they came mm. out of the Bayer Pharmaceutical Works team. It's not the most raucous atmosphere at the Bayer Arena, I have to say. Um, but on the pitch, uh, so they're maybe the, the inverse of Schalke at the moment, if you like, because they play some mesmerizing football when Kai Havertz is in full flow and that kid is a generational talent by the way in midfield for them mm. um it is so so good to watch Peter Boss their coach is very much a bludgeon you with plan A uh, because he, he will <laughs> refuse to even contemplate a plan B so if his football doesn't work then it you know he's happy to accept uh, it going wrong he'd rather stick to his principles and when they get it right they're overwhelmed teams, and we've seen that time and time again. And they were on really good form before the season stopped. So I'm hoping, from a kind of aesthetic point of view, uh, that they will continue in that vein because they are lovely to watch. Boss ball works. If only you could sort of transplant Leverkusen to a place where you'd love to go on a city break and put some just incredible fan culture around it, it would be the perfect team to follow. Uh, but Cologne's here we are. only down the road. Cologne's just oh, uh, there about we go. 15 yeah, minutes yeah. away, so you're okay. You've got both. That that could be the thing. In, in fourth place here, having a good season, Borussia uh, Mönchengladbach, should, good, good things and bad things, Kev? Uh, so good things. Uh, the football's fun. Um, Marco Rosa, the coach, has done ever such a good job. Um, looks good on the touchline as well. An annoyingly Very handsome, handsome man. One Very of those guys so. that kind of, oh, no. Um, so he's done a great <laughs> job. Um, and they, they've got to see Gladbach have always had a soft spot for because they've had some of my favorite players down the years. So Max Cruiser and Raphael, when they were together up front, both absolute mavericks, but it seemed to work. Cruiser and Maverick off the field as well, but that's an entirely different show. Um, so there aren't too many draw drawbacks with Gladbach, truth be told, because again, it's in the Rhineland. You know, there's a lot of things to do if you go to that area. And on the pitch, they like to play really exciting stuff. And the fans do a brilliant job. Um, obviously, that's not going to apply in the short term. Uh, but when I was there for their win over Bayern Munich uh, in December, 
just the most amazing atmosphere. I could barely hear myself commentate. So, um, yeah, that was great. So, yeah, Gladbach is, is, is going to be a popular choice, I think. Excellent. Interesting. Well, we come to the top three, and uh, you, you feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I do suspect this will be the sort of three dominant uh, clubs in the Bundesliga uh, for the sort of next couple of years, really. I mean, that that, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Because yeah. in third, we've got uh, RB Leipzig, and I guess there's a lot to say about them. I guess we'll have to try to keep it short, uh, but... The good things are on the pitch and the bad things are off the pitch again, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So the bad things, basically, they were plucked out of nowhere in 2009 by the Red Bull Drinks Company. Uh, they took over the fifth division license of a club called Mark Rundstedt, and they've bankrolled their rise, uh, not only to the Bundesliga, but to the Champions League. And a lot of people don't like that, and I totally understand that. A lot of people think it's a threat to what's called 50 plus one, which is the rule in Germany whereby one individual or entity can't have more than 50% of the voting rights. They found a sneaky way around that, which a lot of people, including myself, don't particularly like. Now the good stuff. The football is brilliant. High speed, incisive. The coach is a genius, Julian Nagelsmann, uh, just 32, but he's already packed a lot into uh, a short career. Uh, I do think he's one of the most exciting coaches in world football. Uh, Timo Werner, Christopher Nkunku, Marcel Zabitzer, so many exciting young talents. And the thing about Leipzig, and it is part of the model, is that they give young players like 18, Mm. 19, 20 the opportunity to learn on the job. So they literally just throw them in to these situations, say, go on, get on with it. And you look at guys like Deo Upamecano, the the defender, he has made his mistakes on the field. He's had moments where you've thought, oh, okay, I'm not sure about him. And he's brilliant now. Absolutely brilliant. So a lot to like on the field, off it, maybe not so much. And, and in second place, probably it's fair to say the team that most casual fans will go, oh, yes, we, li- we like them, uh, is Borussia Dortmund. And especially, of course, now because we have Alling Hall in up front. But really, in the last decade, they've been a team known around the world, really, for being a likable club who plays really exciting football and is just uh, all around good eggs. Am I right? Yes, unless you're a Schalke fan, of course. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, there's there's loads to like. I mean, the yellow wall, we talk about, you know, that massive stand at Zignal Iduna Park. Um, but also, I think what the club nearly suffered, not that long ago in the grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. they nearly went out of business entirely, but they've been able to battle back from that. They do play really exciting, um, high high-speed football. Jurgen Klopp had a a wonderful run. Uh, And I think that, you know, made them extremely likable. But even before Klopp was there, if you think of that team under Otmar Hitzfeld that won the Champions League against Juventus, um, terrific, that team. Uh, Again, spoke to Paul Lambert recently, and he felt they were the best team in Europe at that stage. So, Mm. yeah, lots to like about Dortmund. And I think it is a club that's seen as uh, a club that carries itself well and has the fans at heart so uh so yeah i think uh, it will be a very very popular choice i i guess if you're not like if you're gonna go to one place in germany if you have one weekend where you go to germany to watch some football a home game at dortmund surely is a must that is what you plan yeah. your weekend around yeah absolutely and i think the football they play as well i mean Jaden sancho is absolutely terrific to watch uh holland who you've mentioned I mean, has averaged a goal a game in everything he's been involved in, uh, more than a goal a game in everything he's been involved in uh, this season. He's a remarkable young talent. Uh, And, you know, win, lose or draw, it is always fun to watch, put it that way. 
So, so at, at the top, I mean, they are obviously remarkable, but I can't help but thinking that if you're a casual football fan uh, indulging in some some Bundesliga now, if you go into this and decide to support Bayern Munich, <laughs> it's kind of like if you're watching Star Wars and you think, you know, the Galactic Empire, you know, they, they have some good ideas. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably fair. I think if you're if you're choosing Bayern, it feels like you're cheating a little bit. Like rooting for the Death Star. Yeah, exactly. I, it's funny with Bayern because they are very victims of their own success in that way. And I wrote a piece earlier this week and I kind of likened them to Manchester United, but not the chaotic mess at Old Trafford now, but the Mm. times under Fergie, because they have that ruthless streak. They have their version of Fergie time. They do have the best players. They don't let players go that they don't want to lose. It simply doesn't happen. People point to Tony Crows, but they actually weren't that fussed at the time about keeping him. So, there's stuff to admire, but I think, yeah, if you're a neutral fan and you're rooting for Bayern, hmm, that we have to have a talk, <laughs> I think. Because that you will be judged. Yeah, you will be judged, and quite rightly so. Um, but they are, the thing that people do forget, I think the temptation is to put them in a really corporate box and think, oh, well, there's nothing that likable about them. But the fans are actually very socially conscious, and that's mm. been the case for quite a long time. And Bayern will tell you, and Uli Hernes will tell you, that the only reason Bayern are in that dominant position and the fact that they have all the money they have is because they've earned it and because they've worked for it. And he was really a trailblazer in a way in terms of the marketing. And again, it's stuff that neutral fans aren't going to really uh, you know, be enthused by. Oh, I love that club's marketing. But but it is the case. You know, they have built that uh, into a very, very impressive machine. But a machine it is. And again, as a football tourist, Munich, fun place to visit. And you have to say, the Allianz Arena, uh, as someone who I love old football stadiums, like I've, I've, it's been heartbreaking to see Upton Park and White Hart Lane go here in London. Yeah. I, I think Allianz Arena is my favorite of all the new builds I've ever been to out of all the modern stadiums. It's the one that has that feels like it's lived in already and has a bit of character to it. And uh, an evening game there under the lights with the light show before the thing. I mean, you might not like them, but there's a lot to enjoy there still, to be fair. Well, Munich's terrific, as you said. It's a beautiful place to to go and uh, and spend time, and it's a lot of fun as well. And the stadium, you're absolutely right. There's a you think when you go there, this is just going, and you look you look at the outside and you think, oh, this is going to be a bit soulless, but it really mm-hmm. isn't. It actually yeah. really isn't. It's they've managed to get the atmosphere, and again, that's driven by the fans. You know, this isn't a load of. Uh, kind of part-time fans who've just turned up to watch a team win. These are genuine die-hard Bayern fans who've been going for decades and decades. And there is a real buzz as you make that journey from the train station uh, to the stadium. There is a real buzz and it's a great place to go and watch football. Yeah, it really is. Now, this this has definitely gone on for longer than I was planning, Kev, but it's been super interesting. You're really busy today because of the football coming back and all the stuff you have to do. So I'm going to let you go. But thanks so much for your time. This has been really interesting. And uh, hopefully you can be back on at some point uh, to talk more Bundesliga. I'd love that. I will look forward to it. I'm uh, I'm an impossible guy to shut up, unfortunately, as you've just found. <laughs> so there we go. You and me both. That's all good. Thank you so much, Kevin Hatchard.